Welcome, listeners, to time for an awakening on Black Talk Radio Network, new media for the new millennia. This is a history and current events program from a cultural perspective. We find this program necessary because Hosea 4, 6 states, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. We as a people can turn this around. Proverbs 4, 7 states, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. With all that, get and get an understanding. Again, welcome to the program this evening with your hosts, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. The number to reach us to join the conversation this evening is 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We're streaming live at several locations. You can go to timeforandawakening.com which is the homepage and catch the live stream at that location. You can go to www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, that's www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Catch the live stream there also. You can go to a bb2meet.com forward slash a time for an awakening. That's A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I forward slash Time for an awakening and catch the live stream there. Or you can download the TuneIn Radio app to any of your devices. TuneIn is a free app. And in that TuneIn Radio app, type in Time for an Awakening. There you see the icon, and you can stream the program live, even into your car if you have the Bluetooth capabilities or the auxiliary connection. Again, that's Time for an Awakening radio program with the live stream on the TuneIn app. Drop us an email at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Again, that's Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. Time for an Awakening also has a fan page on Facebook. In that Facebook search engine, just type in Time for an Awakening radio program. There you always hear interesting content being posted daily by myself or Brother Richard. And do me a favor, before you leave that page, just hit that like button. That's Time for an Awakening radio program. With the fan page on Facebook and Time for an Awakening media is there. Always full of the latest podcast of the various programs on Time for an Awakening Media, interesting articles that you can read, download at later times, and share with your friends. Also, check out that Time for an Awakening Marketplace and our partnership with the BB Toomey. Always interesting things in the marketplace all the time. Uh, various African language classes, classes on education, economics, social systems, health, and much, much more being taught by professors on both the continent and in the diaspora. So again, make that one of your favorites. Put that in your address bar. That's timeforanawakening.com. Timeforanawakening.com will take you straight to Time for an Awakening Media. It's 7.07 here in the city of Philadelphia on this Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Our special guest that is scheduled to join us this evening, Doctor of Internal Medicine at Morehouse School of Medicine, Dr. Abiku Dada scheduled to join us this evening to as a continuation of our COVID-19 the vaccine in black America series we'll be hearing from Dr. Dada from his front lines point of view of dealing with the pandemic in a hospital setting 
and uh, we'll uh, talk about his journey of his years of medical training at the Latin American School of Medicine in Havana, Cuba, till presently practicing at Morehouse School of Medicine. We'll be right back to get the program started after a brief word from our sponsors. Mr. Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and, and our enemies. Everybody is here. You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American-owned and operated insurance agency in business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowner's insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Overworked? Suffering with an underperforming company, headache customer, staff, or vendors? Or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? We turned a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven-figure high-end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one transformation created for entrepreneurs like you in various industries around the country. Not what you're used to from accounting and business consulting? Well, welcome to New Business Solutions. If you're ready to go beyond advising, coaching, and training and get implemented results, call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions apply the best comprehensive administrative accounting, operations, human resources, management, sales, and marketing to help you actualize your vision for yourself and your company. From anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072. Spelled new as in numerous on your device right now. Book your free consultation at newbusinesssolutions.com. History is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. It is also a compass that people use to 
find themselves on the map of human geography. History tells of people where they have been and what they have been, where they are and what they are. Most important, history tells a people where they still must go, what they still must be. The relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship of a mother to her child. From antiquity to the present, our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening with your host, Brother Elliot. Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit us up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. <clears throat> it's uh, 712 here in the city of Philadelphia. And before we get started with our program this evening, I want to welcome in my co-host, Philadelphia activist and tour guide at the African American Museum here in Philadelphia at 7th and Arch Street. Brother Richard is with us. Brother Richard. Yes, sir, Brother Elliot. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing fine. Hey, you know the weather was nice today, Elliot? <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, don't worry, Richard. Today, your day is coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, you know, it, it's... Uh, it's it's good to be uh, able to continue this conversation, you know, um, about the, you know, not just the COVID, but uh, I'm hoping that we continue to develop what is the health condition of, of of Black folks in America specifically, and as we deal with this, you know, this crisis um, on one side or the other around the virus, the vaccine, um, how much we should be um, scientific literate in relationship to taking it, our question, you know, or at least my projection of our question about trust in relationship to, you know, just what's being presented to us uh, to make choices. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm hoping we continue to, you know, as we've been doing to give the time for waking audience and, and, and for, for ourselves, if you don't mind me generalizing, the ability to keep getting more information to make ourselves more aware, not just for ourselves, but looking at what needs to be in place that may not have been in place in, um, for the next generations to come as it relates to health. Yeah, well, in continuing this uh, discussion we've been having, a, a, a series that we kind of put together here on Time for an Awakening, uh, called COVID-19, the, vac- the vaccine and black America. Uh, we got some, have a guest tonight that's going to help us uh, expand this discussion and look at it from a more global sense because uh, the doctor that is joining us this evening uh, had his medical training at the Latin American School of Medicine in Havana, Cuba. And he's now practicing internal medicine at uh, Morehouse School of Medicine. Our guest this evening joining us in conversation is Dr. Abiku Dada. Dr. Dada, are you with us? Yes, sir. How you doing? How you doing, sir? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me today. I'm glad, I'm glad to have you with us. Dr. Dada, on time for awakening with myself and Brother Richard. How you doing, Dr. Dada? Hey, how you doing? How you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. Great, great. great. You know, before we start our discussion, I want to let everybody know that uh, Dr. Biku Dada is the son of one of our great pioneers, our great historical fighters, 
a man that was on our program and, and added a lot to our discussion, Richard. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, Elder Mukasa Dada, uh, this is uh, his son for the listening audience. Uh, Dr. Abiku Dada is uh, the son of uh, Elder Mukasa Dada. Some folks know him as Willie Ricks. But uh, glad to have you with us, sir. That's just mine always. Dr. Dada, before we talk about uh, things centering around uh, the pandemic, this virus that uh, has been plaguing not only uh, people in this country but all over the world, I, I want to talk about you personally um, and your journey uh, through medical school, uh, being you went to the Latin American School of Medicine in, uh, in, in Cuba, and to come back here to practice uh, your medical uh, and in, in to practice in in the medical field, talk about your journey there to Cuba, uh, to go to the school, and just talk about it from your collegiate uh, uh, when you were in college and decided to to take up medicine as a profession. Talk about it, and then you, uh, how you ended up uh, at the school. Well, well, when I was in high school, um, when, well, since I was in elementary school, my dad. I take you back to elementary school when we were living in apartments. Every I, my dad hung out with me everywhere, everywhere I went. He took me to school. He had come up to the school. He come in the cafeteria at lunchtime. Have all the little kids saying "Black Power," <laughs> standing, standing on the table, getting in trouble, saying "Black Power," and then. After school, all the kids would get in the car and go back to the same neighborhood, to the same apartments as me, you know. And we, we, you know, I'd be outside. He may drive by. All the kids, when they see my car, they would chase after the car, screaming, "Black power! Black power! Black power!" And still, still today, in in his neighborhood, they still do that. So in elementary school, I always heard my dad talking, "Black power! Black power!" And then when I got to high school, you know, I, I start, you know, it was the same story, same story. And, um, but when I got to high school, I started listening a little bit more in debt and I heard him talking to different, I started hanging out with him at Morehouse. He would go to Morehouse college. He would go to, uh, uh, Clark and Morehouse and he would go to the lunchroom at Morehouse and have all the kids in that saying black power, Africa must be free. And then ended up and he would go and one time I went with him in the actual classroom as a high school student, maybe fourteen, fifteen, I went with him as a high school student in one of the classes at Morehouse. The teacher opened the opened his arm, let him in the class, and he went and they let him talk as if he was the teacher. Mm-hmm. He started talking and he told everybody he can give him a full scholarship to medical school. Cuba giving out 500 scholarships a year. Fidel Castro is focusing on low-income communities in the United States, the Africans, the Native, that what we call, I call the Native American people here. He's giving out full scholarships to them. And I kept hearing them tell people that and t- tell more people that. So I ended up going to college, and I was and I was really good at math. I took engineering, but I said, you know what, let me just take, um, let me just take a, you know, just these four classes, just in case I want to go to medical school. So I took all of the classes. It was either that or Tuskegee. 
I was going to go to Tuskegee to do engineering, and I heard my school was talking about a half scholarship or something or a quarter scholarship for engineering or whatever. Um, and I took the prerequisites, and it was either take the half scholarship to engineering or the full scholarship to medical school. And, you know, and, I, and it was in my subconscious. I heard about it so much that I just, I ended up choosing medical schools, a full scholarship, five worth, um, worth a half, uh, a quarter million dollars at least. Um, most medical graduates from medical school end up graduating with anywhere between 200 to what, $400,000, um, maybe half a million worth of uh, debt. And I just chose a full scholarship. I went down to Cuba in 2009. Um, you know, um, with Lucius Walker and Passes for Peace, who are still giving out full scholarships today. And if anybody's interested, they can go to uh, ifcodenews.org and just apply or call 212-926-5757 and apply and, and apply to get a full scholarship to medical school no, t- today. Now, no, Dr. Donna, because um, I'm going to stop you sometime when, you, when you're talking just so you can kind of expand for our listening audience. When you went down <clears throat> to uh, the Latin American School of Medicine in Havana, Cuba in 2009, how many other uh, young black people from these states were there? Because oh, as, your da- as your dad mentioned, that memorandum of understanding that was signed with the CBC and Cuba, I think it was over 20 years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Right, Richard? Yeah. yeah, about and I think I think it's about 20, 20, 20 years ago. They had agreed to send at least five hundred a year. <laughs> uh, we all know what has happened, but I'm just curious: how many from this country went down with you? When I went down there, it was uh, I think I had it was thirty of us. I think maybe thirty of us. Thirty. Um, how many Africans? No, no, no. In I'm talking United- not necessarily Africans. African Americans. No, oh, I, I, I can't use my, I can't use that term. I, I say Africans okay. in America. Good, good, okay, good, good. Correct. Africans in America went down there with me. I tell you, it was uh, out of thirty students, I think we had one European. Okay, what? No, wait a minute. Uh, thirty students. They had. I, I wouldn't know. It's more than that. It was maybe three or four. Okay. Maybe four Europeans. Um, and then out of maybe, so what, that's 25 and maybe 12 were Africans. Okay. Born in the United States. Okay. 12. Born and went down there. Then the other half were what we call Mexican and Native American or Native American people. Okay. You know, um, so some are, you know, what we call our, you know, our Mexican brothers who are born and raised in the United States and had a sister from El Salvador, but I went down there with a brother from Miami, born and raised in Miami, another brother that was born and raised in uh, Tallahassee, another brother, uh, cool brother, Pasha Jackson. He went to the NFL, <laughs> tore his ACL, went down there. Uh, we both started – well, he actually started one year before me because he knew Spanish. Um, um, so, uh, you know, um, yeah, there's a lot of brothers and sisters down there. And when I got down there – we were in, we were we 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 uh we encountered thirty other countries there from Latin America, from Belize, El Salvador, Mexico, Peru, uh, Guatemala, 
Argentina, Uruguay, Paraguay, Brazil, all of the Native Amer- all of those Latin American countries, what we call Latin American countries, which is really Native America, but <clears throat> but we encounter all of those countries, and they called it the Latin American School of Medicine. In three months of me being down there, three months, about eighty, about forty to sixty more countries came in the first two months, and then more trickled in in that third month, and it ended up going up to about 120 countries mm. by the end of 2009. And we had countries from Oceania, or that's in Spanish, and in English we call it uh, Pacific Islands, mm-hmm. like the Sullivan Islands, a group of people who had a crazy revolution, a group of African brothers in the Pacific Islands who had a great revolution. I want everybody to look up the Coconut Revolution, one of the greatest revolutions I I've read about, you know, we had brothers and sisters from Africa, countries that I never heard of at that time. Solomon, uh, um, uh, like Comoros and Seychelles and Salto Man, Prince Verde, countries I never heard of in Africa, you know, uh, and got a chance to study with these brothers and sisters for six years and end up developing lifelong friendships with these brothers and sisters. And it's a full scholarship. You go there, you meet people from all over the world. You learn about to get a chance to learn what socialism is, what is communism, what does it mean not to have a light bill, a gas bill, a water bill, not have, no such thing as an insurance company, no such thing as health insurance. You just go into the hospital. No such thing as car insurance, house insurance. No such thing as insurance companies. No, you know, no such thing as, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, foreclosure. Uh, no such thing as people dying without health care. What so what? So I got the chance to really learn what socialism and what communism really looks like, and th- so that that was enlightening, and that was one of the most enlightening. Of course, the school is in Spanish, and that was the easy part, believe it or not learning Spanish. Everyone learns Spanish in six months. Now, 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 help me a little bit. Now, you, it was brothers and sisters coming basically from all over the world. Yes, so, sir. what was the biggest language, I mean, the biggest thing was everybody being able to learn Spanish? Were you able to kind of communicate with people from all over? I mean, was it pretty simple? Did y'all have to kind of sit down and kind of nail things out? Or, or? Well, 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 when I when I first got there, everybody spoke that colonizer language. So, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of people spoke indigenous languages of their countries. And then no one, and so a lot of people just couldn't really have in-depth conversations with each other on day one. But we still were so interested in each other's culture that we figured it out. <laughs> so, so for example, when I first got there. I remember the sisters and brothers from Costa Rica. They just want they wanted we wanted we wanted to realize we saw we saw brothers and from other from from they saw African from the United States and I saw a Africans in, in Costa Rica and I just wanted to learn more about their culture okay. and we figured it out you know you know um, you know and we had you know even if it was a little bit of sign language or whatever but you know. It was easy. Matter of fact, matter of fact, me and this another brother, we end up making a whole organization called the Organization of African Doctors that of course focus on political education and focus on 
being a uh, a, 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 a conscious, learning how to be a conscious doctor, not just a doctor, but a conscious doctor that go back to the community and serve their people to build brigades, to go back to these communities. We built an organization with many countries, but I think 30 countries at the initially, at the time it was 30 countries, but we were having meetings with people from all over Africa and all and Africans all in the United States, of course, Africans all over the world were in one meeting, and uh, and we had to de- de- uh, designate translators, of course, initially. Okay. So you know, so so so, and it was a it was a beautiful experience. So initially, we had to translate, but after a year, everybody was speaking Spanish easily. And taking classes and passing classes in Spanish, you know. Okay. And you know, and after third year, people were seeing patients in Spanish, you know. So, um, you know, um, of course, with supervision in third year, because you're still a student. But, but yeah. So the Spanish was the easy part of it. Um, you know just interacting with brothers and sisters. But of course we have brothers and sisters from all these, these countries in Africa, Caribbean islands, Bahamas, Jamaica, St. Lucia, St. Vincent, St. Kitts, Antigua, Barbuda, Guyana, you know, they all they speak English, you know, um, you know, all these African countries. Of course they speak English, Botswana, South Africa, Lesotho, they speak English, Ghana, you know they speak. You know these are countries. Ethiopia. They spoke. They speak English. Okay. Even some some sisters from Korea, North Korea. They spoke English actually. Um, of course, they have their own language, but a lot of a lot of the brothers and sisters spoke English, and it, it was the easiest. Like the language was the easiest part. Believe it or not, okay. it was the easiest barrier to break. You know, but but when when we got there, every country had to go back to their community after they finished each year to conduct a prevention and promotion brigade. And and that was so, that was part of the uh, agreement of training. That was part of the curriculum. Everybody okay. had to do it. And so everybody would go back to their country and participate. And some people would go to other countries and participate. You know? You know, so I got a chance to 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 participate in not the the development of other brigades and working with other brigades as well, you know. And we even got a chance. I told you earlier, we even had a chance to witness Cuba organize a brigade to go to Haiti because the earthquake that happened in Haiti happened the previous one. I think it was the previous one that happened. In 2009, my first year in medical school, so we got a chance to see doctors from all over the world be mobilized to Haiti. So we got a chance to see how it's done, you know, first year. So, you know, so that was another experience, you know, organizing brigades to go to Ghana and Senegal and Peru to do an indigenous brigade. Now, now, when when uh, that major earthquake ha- happened in Haiti in two thousand and nine, and you you witnessed the organization of it, did they did, did they take uh, maybe some of the first year students around as uh, observers, or when so, did you first so, experience your uh, going on a brigade yourself? So my first brigade, I did not go to Haiti that summer. I ended up going to Ghana that summer that okay. first year. Um, I ended up going to Ghana that summer, but uh, because that because that's the brigade that 
you know, in the organization that we built, I think that was where I was most needed. And I wanted to go home to Africa, even though Haiti is a home outside of Africa with African people. There, there is some brothers like Gabriel, good brother I met, Lele, his name, another brother from uh, from Haiti, born in Haiti, African born in Haiti, raised in Haiti, that end up going back to Haiti that summer. Um, I think it actually happened in the winter time, but they end up going back to participate a little bit in those brigades. But um, you know, um, and that was cleared by the Cuban government and, and everything. So they, but I did not go to Haiti, and uh, but I do have several colleagues that went. Melissa Barbara is famous for going there and has great stories. Who works with IFCO, the group that um, gives our full scholarships today. You know, um, there was a few, a few other brothers and sisters from Haiti, from Argentina, um, Brazil. They end up going to Haiti um, as physicians and working in Haiti and, and, and just did an extravagant job. And just, I mean, you, you can't even read about it. And it's just a great, um, just great deed and great thing they did there. It was, you know, so I went to Ghana. We went to Ghana and we had a three-week brigade um, well, we went into the community. Of course, we did prevention and promotion programs. Uh, we took vitamins there. We took minerals there. We assessed the community um, for the next time when we come back. We met with the actual leaders of the community to see, you know, how we can develop a relationship that we can continue over time, um, and um, they can be as a, a liaison for us to, you know, just kind of join the people and help the people feel what they need, um, got a chance to eat with the people, live with the people, go out with the people, or just do regular things with the people, and um, and then come. we had a chance to go back as well. So so it, it, it's just, um, just a great experience, um, great experience learning socialist medicine, learning um, how, what this, how medicine should look, you know. Richard. It's a great experience. Yeah, Dr. Dada. Well, let me say this. Um, you and your, no, how do I say that? Your father and you got that same drive, I can tell. So, <laughs> and, and the other thought was before you even started saying about Black Power from elementary school, I said, it must have been a riot in the house. <laughs> <laughs> every school, every school, man. Hey, every school, every school. I remember Snap Finger Elementary School in Decatur, Georgia. Snap finger. He walked in. The, he used to come in a school. They have a. Uh, he walked in the school, just walking around the school. He saw. He saw they had some computers in there. I think they had like the old Apple computers, the old computers that just old computers, right? Mm-hmm. Computers that you might see in those night schools in North Atlanta or Gwinnett or whatever. Um, and you know he 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 had the whole uh, parent. I think they had a student parent meeting. He showed up for the student parent meeting and had everybody um, <laughs> had everybody petition, and they they ended up putting new computers in that whole school. You know, so, but he was definitely he was definitely in the school. He went to every school I went to, from elementary school to high school. You know, and and um and I, I would like. Uh, one thing that, as you were mentioning, you know, the entry to to going to the to the um, 
Cuba and becoming a part of the medical system. I, I think now you they're, they're trying to, you know, always with the propaganda. This is my question. For all you students who went um, in, you know, from all over um, the world um, of, 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 you know, was there a cultural shock in going and learning Spanish, going through the kind of educational um, protocol, become a doctor, and living in Cuba? Was there a, a, a sense of, was it, how was that transition um, oh you. man, oh man, it's a different experience. It's a different experience. Um, yeah. <laughs> Let's see where to start. It, first of all, it's a socialist country. It's a communist country, so the culture is different. So yeah, there was a cultural shock. The people, the way the Cuban people think is different. So here in the United States, if you, you know, you may walk, you may, you may walk, you may be outside all day, and you may not speak to anyone. Unless you know them. In Cuba, in Cuba, when you're, you're going to, people are going to speak, people speak to each other. People speak to each other. People, people talk to each other. People, and you will meet someone today, they will invite you in their home to eat. I've done it multiple times. You um, it just it just the culture of people of of the the community the, the community based culture of people talking to each other, people not scared of each other, people not are not materialistic, a safe country. We were we were in what we call the poorest community in Cuba, what they call the poorest community in Cuba, the most dangerous community in Cuba. They told they said, hey, you gonna have to go to zero to study medicine. And I told the Cuban, he said, oh, I said, that's a bad community. I said, what's so bad about it? He said, people are up all night playing dominoes. The music is real loud at two in the morning. And I was like, that's okay. And it was just, he's like, that is what they call a bad community. That's what they consider bad. That is what is considered a dangerous community. You know, um, the crime level, like I've never, got, I've never got robbed. I've never got mugged. I never had a fight. You know, um, this, um, you know, I never had to worry about a light bill, a gas bill, a water bill, insurance. It was a cultural shock to say I got, I got sick. I had to go to the hospital, and I didn't need nothing but an ID. And then got antibiotics. I think I had an ear infection in like third year, second year. I went to the hospital, uh, got treated, um, had antibiotics, and I was better. I didn't have to go through an insurance company. I don't owe them money five years later because I couldn't pay it. I'm paying it every month. That was a cultural shock. You know, um, you know. You know, it, it, it's definitely it was definitely a cultural shock. Communism is a cultural shock for people who live in the in, in United States. It's, it's definitely a cultural shock. Being able to walk in people's houses and you know, I remember one time I was walking down the street with a Cuban friend, and I said, "Man, I hate the bathroom, man." So so he said, "Oh, don't worry." And he knocked on some random person at the door, random, random person door, and I said, "Hey." We gotta use the bathroom. 
do you mind if we use your bathroom? And then that's in. Like the sense of solidarity, I don't know if I'm explain. I don't know if I can take the picture of solidarity well, but the sense of solidarity in Cuba amongst the regular people is 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 palpable. It's a palpable. It's you can you can feel. You, you, it's, 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 so it's definitely a cultural shock. Um, it's definitely a cultural shock. And, um, and saying that is not um, um, a cultural shock where people, um, as you're describing, and I believe you, you are describing it very well, where people will say that they had a negative experience from um, their, their, this here experience of, of going to Cuba, not knowing the language, not knowing the people, um, only and and feel it's not like like the propaganda from here you would get the impression that it's some kind of bad thing to to go you know if you're not a tool you know so that's the impression i get but, yeah oh oh yeah and and the language and the one more thing to add on to that cuba their schools they have like this no fail campaign no one fails campaign and what and the way they do it, they say if anybody fails the exam they evaluate the teachers and they evaluate the teaching method. That is the first thing they do. And then they change that, and then they give a student another chance to take the exam. If the, if the student uh, fails again, then they evaluate the compatibility between the teachers and the student. They address it and, uh, and see if it's a different learning style versus teaching style, and you even get a third chance to take an exam. And they have, like, these different ways to prevent students from getting le- – that is a cultural style. That's just for students who went to school here and then go to school there. That's a whole different ballgame. Mm. It's a whole different ballgame. It, it, they, they have these mandatory – they have these mandatory each one help teach one type of group in school. When, when, that, when you take an exam, they post everybody grades. Publicly, on, on 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 the doors, so everybody sees who failed. Everybody sees who passed, and then you link up with each other, and we pull each other up. Mm. Like that, that is that is that is very different from the competitive competitive culture in the United States. Mm. It's very competitive here. But if I may ask, every time we've we've dealt with this, especially you know in relationship to this series. The one thing that I've walked away with so far that I would like to keep reiterating because I think it's so powerful is um, Cuba's um, medical service, um, how it's organized, being so close to the community itself. Um, Could you expand on it and, you know, and help us understand? Because I just believe, especially as it relates to the black community, that's what we need. Um, Can you describe that that, that system and and how works good question good question so the way the cuban system is set up is you graduate i graduated right and i graduated as a doctor right boom okay boom general practitioner okay then you got to do a specialty and before you do any specialty in cuba you must do you must become a family doctor you must become a community doctor first right so you and that's a two years that's two years right so you do family medicine they give you a house they give you a house in the community 
most likely the community where you live, right? They give you a house. At the at, at, you stay upstairs, they give you maybe a two or three floor house, three story house. The bottom story is the clinic, and you and you may be in charge of your five, six, seven blocks, eight blocks. You know, five hundred houses or five hundred people or however many people, and you, you you become a community doctor first. Part of your job is to go not depending on how sick people are, the people have to come to the doctor once or twice um, a year and a house visit once or twice a year. All pregnant women get at least four to six house visits pre- and postpartum, all pregnant women. It's illegal for a pregnant woman to, 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 uh, it's not, and I'm not sure if it's, Illegal as in law, but it's 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 um how I guess I would say that it's illegal for a pregnant woman to get pregnant and not, you know, at least communicate with the doctor. Hey, do you need ultrasound? Do you need um, prenatals? Communicating with the doctor. So you know, I and I remember multiple times checking on pregnant women, postpartum, C sections, and. Just uh, you know, normal births and post complicated birth. Just following up with patients, most definitely. And then after you do the community doctor, you know, some people stay there, and some people continue, right? And you you can become a specialist. And I've, I I um and and then you know, of course, you do tertiary care or whatever. But that I think that right there, just that level. That that concept of becoming a doctor, I was sitting in a, a, a pediatric rotation, and a doctor, he was a pediatric transplant uh, liver, a uh, transplant hepatologist, okay? So he's basically kids and liver. That was his specialty. So he told me, he and proudly he said it. He said, hey, I'm a community doctor. I was community doctor first. I'm a specialist, but I'm a community doctor first, and he stand, stood up and said it with so much pride, mm. you know. So, 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 so I think that what we need as African people, when we say Pan-Africanism, the total liberation and the unification of Africa, scientific, social, I think what we need when we're talking about medicine, we need a system where the doctor does not live away from his community, where the doctor lives in the community where he stays, where the doctor visits his patients, knocks on the patient doors, go eat with the patients, drink some water with the patients, drink some, I don't know, eat lunch with the patients, you know, uh, go to his, go to his patient's house, knock on the doors, and analyze the community, see what's really going on with the community. Is the trash building up? Is that really why people are getting sick? And we is, is it the water source? What is it? What is it that why we're really you know, do we not have any sources of healthy food and organic foods and fruits and vegetables or whatever? You know, so so that is one thing I think we lack as a African community. We need community doctors. We need doctors because part I think they say what I think the saying says a drop of primary care or a drop of prevention is worth a glass of treatment or something like that. Mm-hmm. A drop versus a gallon of treatment. So <clears throat> So, so that's what that's how they're set up, and I think that is a setup that they're um, um, 
donating to other countries all over the world. They have doctors all over the world, including Africa. Um, and um, I, th- I think that set up, I think we we definitely need it. And then they have campaigns. Of course, they have the vaccination campaign that has eliminated most many infectious diseases that people are still dying from today in, in, in countries, uh, in third world countries, mostly Africa, like measles, mumps, rubella, tetanus, uh, and many more. Um, they have eliminated the vertical transmission of HIV. So no no woman is transmitting HIV to her kids. We're African community in the United States. We're suffering from that. That's a big deal. Matter of fact, the, the infant mortality rate in the African community in Cuba is the lowest in the country and is even lower than the United States. Lower than the nicest European community in the United States. If I'm not mistaken, it's 2.8 or 3. Or, I'm not sure. So so when babies are born in Chicago, it's like 7 or 11, 7 to 11 or something like that. And, and a that, lot of basically a lot of babies are dying when the mama sits on that when the mama have a baby. A lot of babies, and mostly in our community. And those, but in Cuba, they, they they they're addressing that. They have a a pregnancy campaign. They have a cancer campaign. They have an elderly campaign. They have a campaign that all of the elderly people in the community must participate in these. Uh, geriatric communities, basically. I think that's how we translate that. A geriatric community where they go and meet and just kind of maybe even do some aerobics or walk around a neighborhood. And um, Mostly they're just kind of hanging out at the pavilion and talking and mostly doing a little bit of aerobic exercise. Just a little bit enough to keep that hip rotating and knees rotating and stuff like that. You know, so they have these different campaigns to eliminate a lot of the things that are killing African, uh, you know, people, period. But, you know, we can adopt it as African people, and it'll help us eliminate a lot of the things that are killing us. Because, and, and to, to say the last thing is, uh, we die, African people in the United States and all over the world, we die of things that are preventable. Our counterparts, when we look at other, our counterparts and every, a lot of other races, they're dying of genetic things that they're born with. We have some. We have thicker cell. Yes, we do. We do. But mostly we're dying of things that are preventable. That we change our diet and we exercise and we prevent these different things, we, can, we, we will live longer. Whereas a lot, a, a lot of other races are dying of things that are genetic that their mom passed to them and their grandparents passed to them. You know, so we need it. We need, we need, we need, we need that drop of prevention. We need that. So, yeah. Dr. Dr. Oh, go ahead, Richard. Oh, no, and thank you. And thank you. I, I, I hope to continue to explore more. Before, uh, because in the next hour, I want to kind of mix the conversation with uh, this current pandemic going on. But before we get there, you mentioned that you were on uh, several campaigns to the continent um, and uh, dealing with it the same way, going into the community, uh, talking with people, interacting and treating. So I'm I'm quite sure that you, um, without question, ran into a strong 
uh, traditional medicine uh, uh, environment there on the continent. A- am I right, uh, Dr. Dollar? Yes, and not only. And matter of fact, the traditional healer. Well, and, and, and before I say that, before I say this, Cuba. One thing they taught us is that when we go in that community, and we want to help a community, we don't go in like God, and we don't go in like we have all the answers. What we do is we go in and we learn the situation of the community. When we went to Ghana, we start there. Now wait, now wait a minute. That that was a policy that was taught to all of the students. Yes, that that's a curriculum. Yeah, that's part of the curriculum. Like when you take the test, that's what you say. I guess you know what? I guess everything is different there than what our people are used to here among these Europeans. But go, but go ahead. But, but yeah, I, and, I, and I give you an example. Like when the people went, when the Cubans went to Honduras and they thought the people didn't have a clinic, they that's what they they said. Okay. They didn't go in and say, okay, we got the treatment. Come to the clinic. Come see us. We got We got it. Come get you this. Come get you that. We got it. They we talked to the people. They talked to the people. They said, what do y'all need? How can we help? How can we serve y'all? And we, and how, and, and we, we want to give you something that they, and, and they needed a, they needed a, um, they needed a uh, clinic. The Cubans, they didn't put out no medications. There was no medications for that. They put out blocks, and they build. The doctors were building clinics. When we went to Ghana, when we when we when we, when we built, went to Ghana, we talked to the people. We realized that the people that their primary care doctor is the traditional healer. That's who their primary care doctor is. Okay. For, for a lot of the African people, especially in the community that we went to. So when we so 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 when we supposed to go to the community, no, we went. Listen to us. No, we went there, and guess what we did? We met with the traditional healers. We sat down with the traditional healers. When they came, when we finally had a clinic. We had we had that clinic visit. The they saw the traditional healer first. Then they and they saw us, or they, then they saw us, or vice versa. When you go to the hospital and clinic in Havana. The Salvador Allende, named after the great brother from from uh from uh where's my brother from Salvador Allende? Uh, what's the name of that country? Uh, 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 oh my God! I, I, oh. It come back to me later. Oh, that hospital in Cuba. Go ahead. That, that, that hospital in Cuba. When you walk in the emergency room, what you see on the door, you see um the tra- you see traditional medicine door. Or they can go into the uh, uh, the uh, emergency room, the, the Western medicine door. They're right next to each other in the emergency room. So when you come to the emergency room, you see both of the doctors. That is a mandatory, traditional medicine is a mandatory rotation in the Cuban system. Everyone has to take it. So when we went to Ghana, and we, we, we the, what we've learned is what the African people, most a lot of African people that in Africa, their their primary care doctor is a traditional healer. So if we wanted to make any change in the community, we had to go through the traditional healers first, because that are those are the people that the African people trust. So we went there, and and most and to this day. To this day, uh, a lot of the brigades that the brothers and sisters that are doing in, in Ghana are in link, are, are, are um, 
are collaborations with the traditional healers. Collaborations. They're collaborations. And um so so most definitely um you know it's it's it, we definitely you know it's it, they 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 work together. They work together. Um, we're going to take a brief break and when we come back we'll continue, we'll expand and continue the discussion uh, we're going to be talking about uh, what's currently going on now uh, we see several vaccines that have been uh, produced uh, in Cuba I know that uh, Dr. Dada is familiar with probably all of them uh, and we'll expand the discussion you can get involved in the conversation by dialing 215-490-9832 that's two one five four nine zero ninety eight thirty two. Richard, before we take a break, you you want to uh, say something else, or, or uh, uh, Richard? Uh, you know, no, go ahead and go ahead now. Just because um, I guess my question will go into about the the point of uh, is it a cultural shock in the way we're handling the virus um, based off of your educational and training in Cuba? The, as far as it relates to the um, African, the African in America um, experience, uh, we can wait for that. That's, that's, that's great question. Okay, we'll take a brief break, and when we come back, we'll expand the discussion. And like I said, you can get involved by dialing two one five four nine zero ninety eight thirty two. That's two one five four nine zero ninety three two. We see a couple calls on the line already. We'll be right back. Listening to Time for an Awakening. Time for an Awakening with host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American-owned and operated insurance agency in business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. I transformed a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven-figure high-end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one of the tangible transformations I've created for entrepreneurs in various industries around the country. If this isn't what you think of when you think of accounting and business consulting, then get ready to take down this invaluable information. 
Are you an entrepreneur suffering with a stagnating company? Have headache customers, staff, or vendors? Are you rebounding from a loss and need help achieving your unrealized potential? Or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? Hi, my name is Nataki Kanban. If you're ready to go beyond advising and coaching and get results, then call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions recommend and implement the best comprehensive sales, administrative, human resources, accounting, and operations to help you grow into your vision for yourself and your company. Again, from anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072 or pull us up on your device right now and book your free consultation at www.newbusinesssolutions.com. And just mention you heard this special announcement on Time for an Awakening. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484 268 9837. For 12 years, I and others like me had held out radiant promises of progress. I had preached to them about my dream. I had lectured to them about the not-too-distant day when they would have freedom all here now. I had urged them to have faith in America and in white society. Their hopes had soared. They were now booing me because they felt that we were unable to deliver on our promises. They were booing because we had urged them to have faith in people who had too often proved to be unfaithful. They were now hostile because they were watching the dream that they had so readily accepted turn into a frustrating nightmare. And so the collision course is set. The desegregation decisions and other type of legislation and Supreme Court decisions depends upon changing the white man's mind. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches uh, us that our own mind has to be changed. We have to change our uh, mind about ourselves. In what way? Well, so he teaches us the importance of moral reformation, uh, a knowledge of self. And, uh, for instance, the average so-called Negro, he doesn't think that he can uh, go into business and provide jobs for himself. And because of this, he thinks that he can only get a job from the white man, or he can only get clothes from the white man, or he can only get food from the white man. And we who follow the Honorable Elijah Muhammad are taught that uh, the same thing that the white man has done for himself and his kind, uh, if our people could uh, be uh, rect- if they could, if we could be cured of our slave mentality that was uh, indoctrinated into us during slavery, we would realize that just as the white man can do these things for himself and his kind, we can get together in unity and harmony and do the same thing for ourselves and our kind. I'm not wondering at all about them. What I'm concerned with the suffering and the pain of the masses of black people. No one wants to pay reparations. 
The Jews received over $100 billion in reparations and gets $4 billion annually. A Holocaust museum was set up for them on this soil for over $200 million, and they get $221 million annually just for operating expenses. But the Catholic Church, the Pope, the Jews, the Arabs, white people in general, no one wants to pay reparations to these, the sons and daughters of Africa. So I speak to them. I don't speak. I speak to them. I don't speak to the family of those two Jews. There are too, too many of us for me to speak to them. And one of the reasons why I'm always happy to come to this organization, because you're the only one, you're the only black organization, again, that understands to put race first. Race first. Race first. And I've had some white folks to tell me that I was a flaming militant, a radical, or whatever all of these names were that they called me. And I said that I am very pleased that you called me a nationalist, because you could have said that I was a member of the NAACP of the Urban League. So I said, I'm very pleased of the names that you have given. But I said that because we put race first, something is wrong with us. But everybody else puts their own first because God blessed the child who has his own. And so I think that race first is very important. And though we meet in a different venue, we're not at the slave theater, we're not at the church, we're now at the Masonic Temple, it really does not matter where we are physically. It matters where we are in our minds. And wherever we meet, as long as we know that we're Africans and as long as we know that we're black people living here in America, we know exactly who we are. You notice you can put an Uncle Tom in any venue in the White House. You can even put him in his. He's going to still be a Tom. You can put him anywhere you want. Well, it's the same thing with us who are strong people. Wherever we are, we're going to be the people that we need to be. Let me just say this before our time winds up. And that is, I want the people in the audience to go back and look at the video clip from Roots. It's entitled something like Breaking Kunta Kente. That scene opens with Lauren Green uh, sitting in, who's the plantation master, sitting in his office, and then Fiddler comes in and says, um, uh, we don't want to be too hard on the runaway. Kunta Kente has just run away and been caught. And um, so the time comes for him to get his lashing. And if you look at this scene, it's about nine minutes, and study the scene, study the role of everybody or bodies that are in this particular clip, and you will find that there is 
an equivalent role in the political life of our country today, whether it's on the national level or on the local level. There's the black man who actually does the whipping of Kunta Kinte. There's the white man who does the whipping. There's the black man who intervenes with the boss man and tries to save the life of Kunta Kinte. There's Kunta himself, who eventually is forced to admit that his name is Toby. And there's, a, there's dozens of bystanders, black, who are watching. This, this is a very powerful thing. And it's an analogy of exactly what is happening in our community today. Let's give those characters names in our community and call them what they are and then take care of business about that. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's 8.09 here in the city of Philadelphia, and we're in the Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Our guest this evening, Doctor of Internal Medicine at Morehouse School of Medicine, Dr. Abiku Dada, is with us in discussion. You can join the conversation by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. Um, Richard, go ahead and, and, and start out with your question and uh because I want to kind of follow up behind you. Go ahead. Dr. Dada, you know, um, and, and, you know, as you explained your, your, the training and, and, and the development of the medical um, process in Cuba, and, and we're looking at how this rollout um, of the vaccine, I was just wondering, you know, and I called it a culture shock because, um, you know, it's from what you explained, this, what I'm assuming, this is the way they're approaching the African and American community in relationship to the vaccine is totally different. What is it? How, how do you, how do you, how are you, um, if you don't mind me asking in conversation with your peers who did not go through the training um, and as a doctor and the cultural process, medical cultural process in Cuba that is being, that is being developed around, you know, around the world amongst African people. How, how, how are you, how does that affect you or how are you responding to that? Or what is it that you're getting from that as it relates to the discussion as um, dealing with uh, the um, Africans in America um, taking the vaccine? So let me make sure I understand your question. <clears throat> so, so are we asking the importance of getting the va- a vaccine for African people in the United States? No, the sense I would take it that the conversation of how to of getting the vaccine by the medical um, and I must use this term black medical doctors who weren't trained in Cuba is different than those 
you know, just the, the whole, as it relates to the uh, African, African community in, in America, is different than what you experienced in Cuba. And I just want to mm-hmm. get your um, reflections yeah. about yeah. that. Yeah. Got you. So, so in Cuba, in Cuba, um, Cuba does have a vac- have two vaccines actually, um, and they're vaccinating their people. Um, I think the last numbers I've read was um, less than one percent of the people who have received uh, vaccination in Cuba um, um, have contracted the virus. And there's more than a 99.9% survival rate. Um, um, I think 0.0044%, which is less than 1%, a lot less than 1% of people have died who had the actual vaccine in Cuba. Um, I am um, so. That conversation, um, I have a lot of colleagues that are going to Cuba to get the vaccine. A lot of the colleagues, uh, a lot of my colleagues uh, are going to Cuba to get the Abdallah, which is what they call the, or different one, I think it's called the Soberana. you talking about your fellow, uh, your fellow doctors? Yeah, yeah. I have, I, I, well, I have, I, have, I have a colleague that are getting vaccinated here um, as well. Um, I, 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 you know, and then I have colleagues who are who are, who are not getting vaccinated here, and are going to Cuba uh, to get vaccinated. Um, you know, and, and you know, so and it's a, and it's a preference after studying um, a lot of different uh, people have different preferences. Some people want to get it here. Some people want to get it in Cuba. Um, and uh, and uh, and you know, I, I mean, I I definitely encourage vaccination. Some people. Some people, I'm not against Cuba vaccination campaign at all, and I definitely encourage people to get vaccinated. Um, you know, um, easy to get vaccinated in Cuba if you go to Cuba, um, and I encourage some of my brothers and sisters to do that. Um, a, a lot of us uh, here, we um, we know the history of the United States. We know we know that. Um, you know, you know, uh, if any of us read the book. Uh, medical apartheid we know that they um you use african people as guinea pigs and been documented in their book and probably more than even more than that from you know just syphilis and how they gave us water pills or water shots and didn't treat it instead of getting us penicillin and watched it you know uh you know progress and and um you know and and you know so we know that so a lot of people are reluctant or are hesitant to get vaccinated here, and then a lot of people are um, are, are hesitant to to get a, a mRNA vaccine, which is a which is a different type of vaccine. And I know um, which is uh, what is Moderna or, 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 or Pfizer vaccine. A lot of people are hesitant. Um, 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 Cuba, Cuba, I know Cuba has a protein vaccine. It's not mRNA. There was another question one of my colleagues asked me, um, but that that will be the answer to that question. Um, but but the conversation of not getting the vaccine, see me, I'm working in the ICU. I'm working in the, on in step down units in the sub ICUs and 
even medical floors and hospitals. I'm not at Morehouse right now. I'm actually working in South Georgia right now um, for the during this pandemic. Um, but <clears throat> I did just leave. Uh, I just left Grady what a year ago, treating patients with before before vaccination campaign. But right now, um, you know, I, I'm I, I, my ICU. Well, right now it's slowing down actually in the hospital where I am right now. But at a, a, a few weeks ago, um, we were jam-packed. We have what maybe easily 16 patients on a ventilator, um, and none of them were vaccinated, or maybe one will be vaccinated. You know, and um, just me witnessing that and treating that and watching people come in the hospital. I have a 47-year-old who who who's who's on life support, just got put on life support yesterday. You know, was trying to do everything at home, avoided vaccination. Um um and and end up on life support. He's on life support now. Um he's not vaccinated. So, you know, I what I'm witnessing now, um I I'm definitely encouraging brothers and sisters to get vaccinated. Um not sure if that answers your question. Yeah, and and I just uh, you know, what I was um, to just, and I guess it answered um, my question as far as, you know, what you're, what you're experiencing and how that informs you. But, um, and we, Friday, Elliot was um, running off the numbers of those of who weren't vaccinated and say like in Phil- Philadelphia, 56% of the population has been vaccinated as, as far as the African community has been um, vaccinated. And, and the question we've been re- dealing with is why so many of us are, aren't. And I guess I've been projecting that this question, and you mentioned about the medical, the, both the medical apartheid, um, it's about trust. And in, in, you know, in the system that you describe in Cuba, there's the doctors created a trust relationship with the community itself um, that don't exist here. And I'm wonder, I was wondering, is that conversation amongst doctors, not necessarily saying it's about Tuskegee or whether you're vaxxer or non-vaxxer, but the, the cultural matrix amongst that, not trusting the medical establishment, if not going broader, the government itself, is it really, and asking that, you know, having informal conversations about um, why so large a population is not um, getting the vaccine when everyone is telling us it's, you know, it, it's necessary to at least consider it. Yes, yeah, most most definitely, most, most definitely. It is a conversation that we have. Um, I've had that conversation with doctors, for sure, for sure. I had that conversation of why people are not getting vaccinated. Actually, this is a question. This is a question. It's an international conversation that we're having all over the world. That's a that's a disparity. Um, a, a, a group of doctors are, who are like a global COVID nineteen bank vaccine inequity gap campaign um you know you know as we know haiti for example haiti not only are they dealing with uh food insecurity uh fuel shortages uh, gang violence political instability uh right now um you know (laughs) you know that you know, they have a disparity. They're less than what? Less than zero two percent of their population is vaccinated. Mm. Um, you know, so so we, you know, I, you know, um, 
But, you know, it's an inter, it's international disparity. Africa, of course, um, Latin America and Caribbean islands are the lowest uh, vaccination co- uh, coverage. It's an international uh, disparity, and the African community is a reflection of, you know, kind of that disparity. And, unfortunately, these are, you know, the, the African community, our brothers and sisters are the patients that we're seeing coming in the hospital unvaccinated and, you know, have a have a, have a couple, African brothers and sisters, couple who got married, had a married uh, engagement, I mean, had a married uh, a ceremony, too, but they both end up collecting COVID, I mean, obtaining COVID. And they both end up on life support. They both end up on life support. Um, you know, we have, you know, um, we have, we have a mother and two sons who all ended up on life support. You know, talking about end and end of life care. You know, so it's really affecting our community and it's hitting hard. And um, so. It, that, but that is a, that is a conversation that we have. We talk about why. We talk about the studies. We talk about the evidence. We talk about does it work. We talk about is it preventing? Does it stop people from dying? Are there any alternatives? We talk about that. These are things that we definitely talk about. Most definitely, Dr. Dada. The um, <clears throat> before the uh, two or three vaccines were released uh, in Cuba recently, and I think one is being used now on. Uh, from two years old and up at first in the world is able to do that. Um, the use of interferon, uh, the nasal uh, spray was being used uh, in Cuba. Is that still uh, being used in conjunction with the vaccines? I mean, well, are, are well, all of them well, still available? No, no. I thought interferon was being used. The last thing I read, I thought interferon was being used for secret patients. Okay. And um, for, for, as a, as a, for, for, I think you had to be a little bit, you, you know, you couldn't just walk in and just kind of get into fear run. I think you had to be a little bit sicker okay. to get into fear run. But I do know, and I would have to read up on it again, um, but that from the last time I read about that, that, that was for sicker patient and it worked for sicker patient. Um, and then Abdallah and the Soberana vaccine, um, those are, preventative vaccine that patients who do not have COVID at all um, are receiving to prevent severe disease. Okay, so so the interferon was used once the person might have been diagnosed with COVID. Yeah, in the hospital, you had a criteria. They had a criteria. And I I don't encourage people to kind of go out and find some interferon and just kind of use it. you know, um, you know, definitely, you know, there's, there's indications for it. Um, but that's not something that you just kind of want to go use. Like a lot of people are using this ivermectin and uh, the people in the country, they're finding these horse, these horse uh, trucks and using the parasite medication and kind of stealing it and just kind of using it to prevent you know, because a lot of doctors are talking about it right now, so they're kind of using it at home. But that's not something that I, that I would recommend that people just kind of find and kind of use to prevent COVID, um, as of what I know right now. Um, of course, people can go to Cuba and see what their options are. Healthcare is free in Cuba. Um, um, and, 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 and for international citizens, 
Um, I think there is, there may be a fee. There may be some. Uh, you may have to make a donation or not. Um, but um, but you de- people can definitely can go to Cuba and, and learn and learn more about the Adabla vaccine and the Soberano vaccine. Most yeah. definitely. As a quick question, if if someone gets vaccinated, and, um, go to Cuba and get vaccinated, and they have to, and there's a mandate, and and, I, and it may be out outside of you know, I'm just raising the question based off of the response. Are would that be uh, acceptable in America? Have you heard? Um, well, well, that's a that's a good question. Um, that's a good question. That is a question I don't know the answer to. Um, but, um, I, I'm not sure. Um, I, I think having, I think having a vaccine card is getting vaccinated, getting vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, whether it's been accepted by political, uh, you know, uh, you know, leaders or not, I think the most important thing is just kind of getting the protection from, from dying, you know, you know, in, in conjunction with, of course, Building up your immune system if you've never done that before. Getting some sunlight if you've never done that before. Taking, um, eating vitamin C rich foods and even taking a little bit of a supplement every day. Vitamin C hasn't hurt anybody. Um, of course, there are side effects. Um, there are documented, but I mean, a preventable dose at home of a gram or two uh, a day you know, shouldn't hurt anybody, you know, but of course, this is not medical advice. I would, um, you know, I would advise everybody to talk to the doctor, make sure they don't have kidney or liver disease and problems with excreting vitamin C, sometimes Parkinson, it breaks down um, dopamine for Parkinson patients, they may want to avoid it, but, but, but in general, for a healthy person, um, you know, I'm taking vitamin C, um, you know, zinc, some people taking the zinc and some people take multivitamins, but you know, definitely building your immune system is important. Wearing a mask is important. You know, these are things that are very important. Buying, purchasing a pulse oximeter. You know, a lot of people don't have that. Purchasing a purchasing a pulse oximeter is important right now to to check your oxygen levels. A lot of the patients are sitting in nursing homes, sitting at home with oxygen levels in the 70s, in the 80s, low 80s, and they don't even know it, and then come in the hospital late and get and are getting treatment late. So, you know, those are things that I would do in, in prevention. You know, of course, as well as just consider vaccines, learn more about vaccines. If you, if you don't want the vaccine here, then look at other countries, look at Cuba. Cuba has stood on the right side of humanity for African people as long as we remember since they sent troops to uh, Algeria and helped Ben Bella, you know, all the way to Haiti and sending doctors to Haiti and in Africa today with doctors, you know, and medical professionals in Angola and, now, and of course, troops in Angola. They always stood on the right side of humanity for African people, so... You know, I, I would encourage people to consider getting vaccinated um, somehow, some way. Let me uh, grab some of these questions uh, from listening audience. Let's go to 404 first. 404. Hey, peace and blessings, Richard and Doctor. Hey, Doctor, Doctor, I thought you, 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 Elliot, going to say you was Idi Amin's son, man. 
What do you yes, say? I, I am. I am. I'm here to Amin, son. I'm I'm here to represent Brother uh, Comandante Idi Amin and the Ugandan Revolution. Yes, sir. Right on, sir. Hey, hey, sir. I'm uh, I'm a patient of Morehouse Medical in Atlanta, and uh, I got to give y'all some praise, man. Especially my doctor. I don't know if you know him, Doctor Blake. You know Doctor Blake. I, I know, I know, I know, Dr. Blake. I did my specialty at Morehouse School of Medicine. I don't work at Morehouse Medicine right now, but Dr. Blake was one of the attendings who helped train me. So he's a great guy, great, great, great guy. Yes, sir. That's my doctor, man. He keep me, he keep me rolling like uh, I'm the tin man of Wizard of Oz, man. Every time that he diagnosed me, he been right on the money, man. But I, I, me and him have some discussions, man about all uh, these vaccines, whatever. And I, I've been teaching him stuff, man. And that's why he, and he's taking the time with his patients, man. I got to give him some praise, man. And he, everything, he was amazed how uh, he had my blood pressure medicine. I say, well, doc, if you want me to get on blood pressure medicine, he say he had high blood pressure too. I say, well, damn it, doc, I want to take the same stuff you taking, man. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> so, but still, because he's a little bit older than me, he, he's my people, man, but so, he was amazed how I got off that blood pressure medicine because I uh, I figured out uh, the right food to eat, watermelon with seeds, blackberries, and cherries with seeds, man, and, and swallow them seeds. Bro, my blood pressure, I did that for about uh, two months. My blood pressure normal, man. I, he, he can't figure that out. I told him what to do, man. He just, he amazed, man. I love him. He teach me and I teach him, man. I don't want to take up too much time, man. But I love Dr. Blake. And and to add on that, uh, some more traditional things that you can do, of course, they you know garlic is a big one. Papaya leaves is the one that they use in Cuba. When you take when mm-hmm. you take papaya, uh, I think that's how you say it in English. Papaya. Mm-hmm. You, you take the papaya leaves from the tree mm-hmm. and you boil it, and you actually mm-hmm. uh, you can drink that, and that helps to bring blood pressure. The biggest thing is losing weight. Like I said, a lot it's of us. A lot of us are dying from things that are preventable. You got to lose your weight. You got to stop eating fast food. You got to stay away from all uh, that high salt meat and a lot of the, you know, uh, a lot of the high salt stuff. You know, you got to control yeah. the salt. You got to exercise. You got to stay active. You got to control the alcohol, you know, and avoid stress. Those are big things. Yes, I, I got one more question, man. Make you help back. I've been urinating a lot. And uh, he took, he put me on that tamoxifen or whatever you call that. And uh, I, I'm try- yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to figure out what can I take to stop all this frequent urination. I'm getting up in age, you know what I mean? I'm about almost 64. So what, well, what would you recommend? What, what, I would recommend that you see a urologist first. I would recommend that you talk to Dr. Blake and consider seeing a urologist to make sure that you're not missing anything. That's what That's the first thing I would do. Cause he tried to uh, give me the PSA, man. That prostate, I ain't trying to uh, come up with no prostate. Cause it's, it's in my family, man. But I know it's something natural I could take, man. I know, I know. I'm gonna find out what it is. We well, gotta see what's going on first. You gotta see what's going on first, so you can know what you're treating. Hey, <laughs> so, so, yes, so, so I, I recommend the urologist or even talking to Doctor Blake about it. Yes, sir, man. I appreciate it. I love, I love Morehouse, man. They get better and better, man. They, they, every time, man. They, I love them, man. I, 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 hey, peace and blessing. And I don't want to hold up too much time, man, but let somebody talk. But I love you, hey, Dr. Black Power. Hey, power hey, to the people. Much. Hey, Black Power. Talk to you. 
Let's go to uh, 919. 919, question or comment for, for our guest? Let's put them back on hold. Let's go to Oberlin, Ohio. Question or comment for our guest? Uh, hi, how you doing? Um, I hey. one question about the uh, vaccines that they have in Cuba. Um, I, I guess my my concern is just the ingredients of what's in it. Like, do, do you know like what's yeah. in the, what's in the Cuban vaccine that's different yeah. than like? Yeah, yeah. Good question. Good question. That's actually a conversation we was having with one of my other physicians. So the vaccine. So. So the way it works is when you get when you get the when you get COVID nineteen, let's say you get COVID nineteen naturally. You go to a family gathering, someone comes in, didn't say anything, or don't even know they have it and cough and you get you catch COVID. You in about two weeks, your body from starting at three days, your body starts to develop protein. And it 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 the, one of the proteins that it developed well they call antibodies, and they basically help fight COVID. Those that is the job of those antibodies that that come that respond to that infection. They just fight COVID. That's all they do. So there's a process of making proteins. So the protein the Cuban vaccine is a protein that basically, uh, to make it very simple, it, it basically induces antibody production. It's a protein that produces antibodies. In, antibodies. It's not a, a mRNA vaccine that an mRNA codes that protein and cause you to make that protein. That is the, I think, uh, Moderna or Pfizer. Yeah, both of them, yes. Yep, and then I think Johnson and Johnson is a protein vaccine as well, but Cuba, the, the, but Cuba, uh, but uh, but Cuba, so the Soberana vaccine and the Abdallah vaccine are protein vaccines that basically um, induce antibody production. If try not to make that too scientific, if that makes sense. No, it makes sense. It's like it's like giving your body like like. Uh, uh, artificial proteins, you know, real proteins, but that just mimic so that it, it stimulates your body. Just, you know, they understand the science behind the protein that might stimulate your own body's production of antibodies. Is that is that uh, right? Of making antibodies. That is accurate. Very accurate. It's an accurate statement. Yes, sir. That's exactly that's exactly what it does. Um, so you know that you know that's pat, we call it passive immunity. You know, you can you can get the vaccine. Um, you know, and, and, and that will build antibodies, you know, you know, you know, and, um, yeah. Yeah, that makes, that makes sense. Uh, thank you. Um, I, um, I don't want to, uh, take up too much time. Um, thank you for your work. Um, I'm gonna keep listening. Yeah. And, and one, one more thing I will add is remember, wear a mask, avoid being around people who have COVID, Try to build up your own immune system. Eat a lot of vitamin C. Get you some sunlight if you've never done it before. I definitely will do. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. Have a good one. Let's go to 647 in Toronto. 647. Uh, can you hear me, sir? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, I have a question. Uh, first of all, I'd like to compliment you and... Uh, uh, your father and all, all the great work that he did. But I have a question about 
premature children. I know someone that was born uh, one pound, nine ounces of 709 grams. They had a daughter that was born uh, 10 pound, two ounces. And uh, the one that was born uh, uh, 790 grams was on, was in an incubator for six months. And uh, how does Cuba deal with premature children? And I know that there's the whole, you know, blockades against Cuba, uh, you know, so I know that the, 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 uh, the capitalists and the imperialists are trying to keep that kind of technology away from Cuba. How are the Cuban people uh, dealing uh, with that question, that's one one question, and the other question is, uh, could you compare the uh, health system in Cuba to the rest of the Caribbean? Canada is 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 a is a bit different because you have a more of a social democratic uh, situation up here, uh, and I'll take those uh, questions off the air. Okay, okay, those, those are great questions. Uh, my first disclosure is I'm not a pediatrician, uh, and uh, I'm so far from pediatrics <laughs> that um, that um, that I, I, the way I would have to answer that question is um, there. I, you would have to do more studying, independent studying on that. I, I cannot give you um, a answer over the radio right now to help you understand the, the, how premature children are, are, are that that is a that is a lifelong well not lifelong well depending on how some it, it it's, it's so it's a very complicated question um that is I cannot answer that question I I'm not a pediatrician I would not be able to answer that question unfortunately um um but that's a great question um but i would I, to be honest i think you would be okay if you just go to the hospital if you just get you a good pediatrician and um i think you i think you'll be just fine if you, if you just kind of have a good pediatrician on your team um and any specialist that you need but as far as the cuban system in comparison to the world um and the united states or caribbean islands i think you said um um, Cuba has been collaborating with the Caribbean islands a lot. Um, a lot of the Caribbean islands are uh, mimic um, capitalist medicine. Um, others actually mimic um, uh, socialist medicine. Um, that was a, a very broad question. I, oh man. I mean, as far as I don't know too much, to be honest, I don't know too much about how Jamaica's system is set up or how um, St. Lucia's system is set up or uh, the details about um, Bahamas, the medical system. But I can give you more details about how Cuba um, healthcare system is set up. If you can give me a little bit more specific question about the healthcare system. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't be um, too helpful with that question. <laughs> Let me let me hold on a second. Let me go back. Um, did you, Can you hear me? Yeah. Did you get? Go ahead. Uh, no, I uh, I know that you know the, the the Caribbean. I guess like 
some of the Caribbean. I think St. Vincent and the Grenadines, Ralph Gonzalez is closer to Cuba and to uh, of Venezuela than, uh, uh, you know, you have a, a right-wing government in, in Jamaica at the moment. And uh, I think Ralph Gonzalez is closer to, uh, uh, you know, on the socialist side than uh, I think Jamaica is a, is a is they are the JLP, which is like a conservative party, which would be the equivalent of the uh, uh, Republicans in in, 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 in in the United States or the conservative party in Canada. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, so most definitely, um, yeah, so I think definitely the socialist, the socialist medicine is, is, is the route to go. I think those countries are, are trying to pull towards socialists. Uh, I think Cuba um, may have the, the uh, I think they're, they, they, they are the um, bravest, one of the bravest in the Caribbean and um, is leading the socialist medicine. They're helping out other countries as well. But they really need help themselves. They have a blockade that they're dealing with. They have a vaccine campaign, for example, since we're talking about that. But in the United States, um, since the since the COVID pandemic, I think that you know, I think Trump was the president, and, the, and even now they've you know then and now they've tightened up you know the the blockade and making it more difficult for the Cubans to get access to different things like syringes or different things, you know, different things that they need to implement a vaccine campaign or implement any campaign, anti-hypertensive campaign, difficulty getting medications um, and medicines and all of these different things. So, you know, Cuba, you know, it, it, it definitely has a really good healthcare system with really good results. But they're dealing with a blockade that's depleting I mean, or preventing them from um, from expanding and and, and 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 implementing, you know, their different campaigns to the level that they would like to implement those. I hope that helps out. That, that, that answers. I have I have one more question, then I'm gonna get off the phone. Go uh, ahead. Could you could you uh, talk about the fact that at one point I hope this is still tr- still mm-hmm, true. Mm-hmm. At one point. Cuba had more doc- doctors in "quote unquote" the third world "quote unquote" than the World Health Organization. Is that still the case in 2021? Well, um, I don't know exactly how many doctors Cuba has, but I do know the biggest thing um, that Cuba is beating the world on right now is the amount of doctors per uh, per patient per patient capital. So, um, so one doctor. Um, in Cuba, I think they they have what uh, a community doctor. I think he has maybe um, uh, 600 to 800 patients. I think the last time I looked it up versus the United States, I think it was uh, I think it was 1,100. I think they're so they're definitely beating doctors per patient ratio. Um, you know, and and they're definitely producing more doctors than anybody in the world right now. They you know they have a medical it's a medical school. That are producing thousands of doctors, if I'm not mistaken, um, tens of thousands of doctors are in other countries uh, practicing medicine. But definitely, they're definitely a factor for producing doctors. 
even they they produce U, U.S. citizens who have went to Cuba. I think there's over 150 who have just came from the United States, you know, and there are 120 countries there, and the United States has the least amount of doctors that they produce to political embargoes and blockades, you know, in South, South Africa, Angola, Chad, Chad had uh, Angola. Let's talk about Angola. Angola, in my year, they had 200 students. Um, <laughs> just in just in my in in during my time there, it was 200 students on that campus at any given time, just on my campus. And this school has been there. Uh, so you can do the math. That's just one country. The school has been going on since 2001. That's just one country. There's 120 countries there. So we're talking about international students that are international doctors they're producing. If you do the math, that's a lot. Uh, you know, we can do the math on the. I would encourage someone to do the math on that, and it's probably already done out there. And I used to know that. And I you, mentioned, I you mentioned you mentioned you mentioned Chad, and Chad is a francophone country, or was a francophone country. And Angola, mm-hmm. they they spoke they spoke Portuguese, so they they're really on the on the on the money. Well, dealing yeah, with, with and they have all all of the Portuguese countries in Africa are in are, are studying there. Sao Tome, Principe, Angola, Mozambique, Guinea Bissau, Guinea Bissau, and Cape Verde. There's five of them in in Africa all of them i have friends from all of those countries they all have students that are studying in cuba all of those francophone countries are there most most of them are there you know even 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 uh tunisia and and libya and those countries are there as well um you know some of ethiopia was there botswana south africa lesotho uh equatorial guinea the only hispanophone um the only Spanish, yeah, the only yeah, the only Spanish speaking colony, the only Spanish colony in Africa, um, you know, um, and you know, and um, so most definitely, you know, um, and then other countries all over the world, Fiji, Solomon Islands. I, I, I encourage you. One thing I encourage you. I want you to look up the Solomon Islands, the Coconut Revolution. They have they they have students from the Solomon Islands who come and study there. And they were able to teach us about what is a revolution, um, uh, teach us about revolution and how they improvise with the coconut. They use the coconut to improvise and lead a revolution, you know, and they end up winning um, and being an example for African people about how to liberate themselves. So coconut revolution, that's one more I, I encourage you to look up. And it's interesting history. Thank I will for, do that, and let me let me shut up and let someone else talk. And keep up your good work, sir. Oh, thank you, thank you for the great questions. Let's go to two one five two one five. Two one five. Let's go to six four six six four six. Hey, what's going on, um, Richard Elliott, and to your guests? Um, you know, Doc, I think you went to um, school in Cuba with my niece because you had mentioned her name earlier, um, Melissa Barber. Oh, oh, yeah. I, 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 I was on the front. I was coming in the front door, and she was going out the back. So I got a chance to hang out, but she not only. 
that I go to school with her, more importantly, that I got a chance to de- develop a mentorship relationship with her, uh, where she was able to mentor me a lot in my journey um, from the beginning. You know, and um, you know, like I and like I said, of course, you probably know about her going to Haiti um, in 2009 or 2010, and she had she did some great work there, her and her colleagues. But that's just a great person right there. Very, just a great. Yeah, person. I, I think I think she's over the um, the East Coast Pacific. region of um, putting the putting the, the kids. In school yeah. in Cuba now, I think she oversees uh-huh. that. That was the last I heard she was she was doing yeah, that. Yeah. Um, yeah, she, yeah, most definitely. She was definitely working with Pastors for Peace in New York and uh, yeah. that helping a lot of students um, doing their mission, you know, becoming admitted and going through that whole process. Of right. Yeah. She's a, matter of fact, the last the last I heard she was over that program. But there's a couple of things I have wanted to ask you in regards to this vaccination is there a big difference between the cuban vaccine and the american vaccine and you know i, I from what i've observed from listening to you i i believe that you are for the vaccine would, would i be right for the vaccine, which vaccine are you talking about? You so when you say D, but so that's a good question. So the first question, um, um, so there is difference um, as far as uh, um, I think uh, we're talking about um, the mRNA vaccine versus the protein vaccine, um, a subprotein vaccine. So the way they work are two different ways. Um, I think the Moderna and the Pfizer vaccine, the mRNA vaccines, and the Abdallah, the Cuban vaccines, Abdallah and the Soberana uh, protein units, um, where uh, they, where they both uh, um, uh, 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 they the, 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 supposed to um, the theory, the the science behind it is it builds up antibodies to fight COVID, so you can have like a memory type of system going on. So if you ever get infected, your body kind of already recognizes it. Um, and then as far as being uh, the, the second question of being pro-vaccine or against vaccine, um, when we're talking about being vaccinated for COVID-19, um, I, 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 would, I would definitely encourage people to, to consider getting vaccinated. Um, and, and, and like I said, this is just from my experience. Um, I'm dealing with patients who are in the hospital, couples who get married and end up having a very short marriage because of COVID. Um, you now, know, family. Go ahead. Right. Well, the thing is this, though. I understand what you're saying. But so what basically you're saying there's a difference between the MRA vaccine and a protein vaccine, which, I mean, myself personally, I would probably trust the Cuban vaccine before I, I, I would trust American vaccine just based on the nature of America and what they're really about. You know what I mean? One, one as you had said earlier, is a socialist country and the other one is a capitalist country so 
you know, America would be more of a bloodsucker than Cuba would be in regards to serving the people. So the thing is, uh, the things that they're using to create the vaccine, what is the difference between what's being used in the protein and what is being used in the MRI? What's the difference between the 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 difference between the mRNA just so I make sure I'm understanding the difference between the mRNA protein I mean the mRNA vaccine and a sub protein vaccine is that what that's your question Yeah that's basically what I'm I'm trying to figure out So, so it, it would just be some scientific physiology there um, So the the mRNA vaccine is a RNA messenger m that's what the m stands for messenger rna it's a coded it's a code basically like a gene that codes for antibodies to produce against the vaccine and when you get that rmrna um that starts to produce more pro that gene Allow, uh, uh, induces the production of a protein that it codes, um, and 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 antibodies basically the antibodies those are the proteins, and then the subprotein, uh, the um, the the other vaccine the Soberana and the Abdala, uh, is uh, is a subprotein that. It's not, it, you just kind of skip. So the way your body makes proteins is basically it's DNA that makes RNA, a messenger, what makes protein. So the the first virus basically starts at the RNA step to make protein. And this, this one kind of skips that step and goes straight to the protein. It's a protein that induces antibodies if that makes sense well well do you think that maybe in another two maybe between the next year or two that this mra vaccine will be shown to not be as effective as one makes it out to be because it seems to me that the covid19 turned in to the delta now there's supposed to be all these booster shots and things of that nature. I, I mean, that's why I'm so hesitant on taking the 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 vaccine because nobody, number one, knows what's in the vaccine. Nobody knows what's going to be the side effects of the vaccine years to come. And it seems like every six months they're talking about getting a booster shot to the vaccine, but nobody never talks about alternative measures to deal with the virus. Like as far as, you know, taking zinc and vitamin C, vitamin D, you know, other type things. And and, and lastly, I just like to ask you this once, once you finish your reply, what is your take of um, ivermectin and um, I think it's hydrochlorism that um, they they so vehemently against? 
Yeah. So the ivermectin is the um, the horse parasite medication that we talked about earlier. Um, that's the medication that they give that 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 they give horses for parasites, or even give humans for parasites. Um, I don't um, I don't uh, give that to my patients, um, but there are some studies that are uh, that are that are being conducted. Um, some patients come in the hospital and um, you know uh, request it. Um, and some people go, some patients are going to the primary care doctor and requesting it. Um, you know, um, you know, um, um, as far as, uh, steroids, steroids, there have been some clinical trials that proven that steroids may help, help, well, help COVID, um, reduce the inflammation because when COVID goes into your lungs, um, it actually causes, uh, a lot of things, um. <laughs> a lot of inflammation, a cytokine storm, and your immune systems just go crazy and um, beat up your own lung type of thing. Um, and of course, it forms clots as well all over your body. Um, um, so it's a steroid kind of slows things down, kind of slows COVID down a little bit and slows down that cytokine storm and slows down. Um, it kind of helps people. Um, so, um, so steroids is kind of what you give patients when they come in the hospital and require a lot of oxygen. You know, it's not steroids. You don't need it if you're at home um, and you're not on oxygen. You probably won't benefit from steroids. But if you get sick enough to be on high flow oxygen, oxygen levels that can that have to keep you alive, then you may benefit from steroids as far as the studies are showing. Um, I wouldn't recommend anyone take steroids at home without consulting a physician or well, lastly, lastly, Well, lastly, let me ask you this. Where do you see this going in regards to they ever find a so-called cure for this um, virus or will it just be a continuation of booster shots um, for the rest of the time. Yeah, that would, if I tell you, if I tell you where I see it going, that'd be speculation. Um, I can't prove that. Um, but, um, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully this, this is, I, I'm hoping that this goes away. Um, but right now we're in the middle of it. And, um, um, you know, right now we kind of got to deal with where we're at right now. Um, like, you know, I, of course, of course, I hope in 10 years, you know, we don't see this ever. Um, I hope that this is not an annual thing, but this is year two that we're on right now. And we just, you know, we're still dealing with spikes and, and a lot of people are dying and people are getting younger who are dying, you know, as he needs kids, you know, I have a colleague that his son, they had a, a trach in his neck three times twice actually twice um a trach is basically you know you cut cut your throat and then you put a tooth right there to yep. breathe for you yeah uh, a little child a little child and you know a lot of lot of you know the first round um it kind of wasn't dealing with too many children right but um but now we're kind of dealing with more children who are being affected 
you know, I don't know what's next, to be honest. Um, but I just do agree with you that we got to build our own immune system. You have to, you have to definitely get that, uh, uh, get a vitamin D, um, which is sunlight. You can get 50,000 50, units of, of vitamin D easily with, a, with, with, with minutes of sunlight, you know, 15 to 30 minutes, vitamin C. If you, if you, you know, of course, consult with your doctor to make sure you can take supplements first, but vitamin C is a good vitamin to take all day. Um, Chinese were taking very high doses, you know, but again, you got to consult with your physician because vitamin C does have some uh, effects um, that can be adverse effects for certain people like I say like you know vitamin C is known to break down some of the neurotransmitters in your body so um, you know if you have a deficiency in that neurotransmitter like dopamine or Parkinson disease sometimes theoretically that may not be a good idea but so like I said vitamin C of course eating things with vitamin C um, zinc um, some people are taking zinc um, you know that may be your immune system thiamine vitamin B you know, um, you know, those are things that, of course, you got to build your immune system, exercise and eating right. You know, uh, none of that means nothing if you're not eating right. If you go eat a pork chop <laughs> right after you take your vitamin C, um, and you don't, and not, none of that means anything if you're not drinking all your water. None of that means anything if you go to McDonald's and have your big, tall Coke, Coca-Cola, or, you know, none of that means anything if you're smoking. You know, um, or even if you're passively smoking, you know, secondhand smoking, none of that, none of that. Be, be, so you definitely have to build your immune system, you know, um, um, most definitely. I definitely agree with, agree with you on that. There, um, as far as your concerns with the vaccine, that is a, you know, a great conversation. I will, you know, that can go, we can definitely have more of that conversation in the future. Um, I, I encourage you to keep reading. Um, um, and keep talking to physicians uh, um, about it. Um, you know, you have some really great concerns, most definitely. Well, thank you very much. And put me on hold, Elliot, please. Thanks for your contribution, brother. Uh, Dr. Dada, one uh, question before we start uh, bringing uh, winding things down. Um, have you read a lot of the reports so far on uh, the the uh, two to three Cuban vaccines and plus the uh, the uh, the interferon. So, it, in, so, it, so well, I, I mean, the reason I, the reason I'm asking it, and let, let me kind of preface the whole question. The reason I'm asking it because the vaccines that they're using here, when the vaccines first rolled out, they told people to get the vaccine and you'll be protected. You could take your mask off. You can do you you know live your normal life. When they seen that people were still contracting uh, COVID-19 and spreading COVID-19 after they were vaccinated, then the narrative changed. Uh, right. If you get the vaccine, then you won't be That's hospitalized correct. severely. That's correct. The, the question I'm asking is, with the Cuban vaccines and the, the uh, interferon alpha-2b, did you see any reports whether you i don't know whether you know did you see any reports to yes. once the people got the vaccine or the right. use of alpha, alpha interferon whether they still contracted the COVID 19 and still pa were able to pass it 
Right, right. So the last study that I read um, on contracting the vaccine after you get after you get COVID, um, sorry, after you um, um, after you get vaccinated with the Abdala and the Soberana, I would have to read more about this intranasal um interferon vaccine I, I i haven't i don't i don't know about that being as a preventative measure i don't mm-hmm. know about that um but i do know about the uh soberana and the abdallah and according to the last study that i've read um it says according to the ministry of health in cuba only zero point ninety six percent zero point ninety percent of the people who have completed their immunization schedule have contracted COVID. So less than one percent or one percent of people who have completed their vaccination have completed COVID. And ninety nine percent of that one percent survive. So in essence so those statistics tell us that the protein based vaccines that they're using there are better than the ones that are here because the people right. here right. are right. still and, contracting and passing COVID, even though they've been vaccinated. Hey, right. Let me make sure I said that again and make sure I said that correctly. Sorry. Less than 1% of the people who have been immunized mm-hmm. with the Soberana or Dabdala, less than 1% have contracted COVID-19. Okay. And the survival rate was 99 point nine nine fifty six percent and in other words zero point zero zero four four percent a very small percentage of the one percent of people who have received the covid vaccine and end up getting the vaccine getting the virus have that very small number. You have a 99.99% of surviving if you get the vaccine and you have a, according to what we know now, less than 1% chance of even getting the virus. So you have a very small chance of getting the virus and a very high chance of surviving. So it doesn't mean you can't get the virus and um you know the, you know and, and one thing i tell people a lot of pulmonologists are saying this as well um you know if you get the vaccine or you whatever i mean if you get the COVID 19 you know infection the infection usually hangs out in your throat and your nose that's why we swab your nose to diagnose it so a lot of us are recommending you know of course Mouth hygiene. If you, I mean, if, if if you can't, don't lag, don't lag behind on that one. You know, um, you know, oral hygiene. You know, make sure that you goggle with 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 um with your uh with your mouthwash and use the antibacterial antiviral mouthwash, the the alcohol, uh, the antibacterial antiviral mouthwash. You know, it says it on the bottle. It says antibacterial, whatever, or antiviral says it on that, you know, kills, you know, you know, so I, we will recommending to theoretically, you know, that would theoretically help kill the virus as it colonizes the back of your throat and then 
end up going down to your lungs and in your bloodstream. And um, so, a question, um, uh, uh, Doctor Donna, how long does it kind of, for lack of a better term, how long does it hang around in your throat and your yeah, nostrils before yeah, it, it? Yeah, the incubation period. That's a good question. I think the last time I read was three to ten days um, oh, before so you, you get infected. Before okay. you get infected. Okay, so it's it's some time yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that means that if you have, if you go to a party on Monday or a family reunion on Monday and then catch COVID on Monday, um, it, it takes three days before, uh, three to 10 days, if I'm not mistaken. I have to look that up and don't quote me on that one, but I think that's the last time. I haven't looked, I haven't, I haven't had that question in about a year, <laughs> but I think the last time I read it, it was three or ten days, and I think I have to look that up again to make sure. Um, so it, it it can hang out for some time before you actually get an infection. Okay. From it. And so use like Listerine or something like that. But suppose somebody wants to use maybe some salt, salt water or whatever. Uh, yeah, sure. Salt water. I'm not sure if that has any antiviral effect. I don't know any antiviral effect of salt water. Um, you know, um, you know, I know, um, I don't know, maybe or, or even baking soda water. Okay. I'm not even sure if that. I'm not sure if that has any antiviral effect either. Um, um, so, you know, but, but to be on the safe side, this, maybe just some Listerine or something like that. Yeah, yeah, just just normal. Just make sure you just kind of, you know, don't skip the Listerine. You know, of course, you're supposed to use Listerine. You're supposed to floss, but. But I, I wouldn't recommend anybody skip it now while we're in the middle of a pandemic, okay. you know. You know, I'm not saying swallow it. I'm just saying gargle it and spit it out. Um, but, um, you know, so, um, you know, um, not, and I don't recommend people to put it in their nose either. Just just gargle the Listerine and, you know, and kind of spit it out type of thing with water that come behind it, you know. Um, and then, of course, better your immune system, getting sunlight and taking your vitamins if your doctor approves and stuff like that. Uh, Dr. Donna, before you leave tonight, I want you to give out that. If, in, in fact, um, Bridget, um, any last comments uh, that you wanted to throw out before uh, we wind no, things down? I, I was I was going down, I was thinking of the number that you had uh, mentioned. Yeah. And, and um, it was a, I guess it was the agency that you were saying for yeah. any- yeah. Yeah. Give out all that yeah. information because yeah, you know, you, and Doctor Donna, let me say this before you do, because the uh, the watchmen, uh, quote unquote, the elected officials that's supposed to be looking out for the community, they never come to the community to recruit uh, a potential uh, young black men and women to go to the medical school. I've no, never heard it, Richard. Have you ever heard any of these elected officials mention in that? No. What? Yeah. So, uh, well, uh, give give out any information to the listening audience. They they can hear it and maybe pass it on to their nephews, nieces, sons, daughters. Yeah. Well, most definitely. Well, this radio show right here, we're gonna we're gonna give out five hundred scholarships to all the young black men and all the young Latin American men out there. Five hundred scholarships are waiting on you. All you have to do is go to college take biology, chemistry, organic chemistry, and physics. If you want more information, um, 
you know, I, I can give you the information right now. And we there's students from Harvard, there's students that went to the NFL, and there's students that just that were from projects that end up becoming doctors and going back to their community and graduating debt free. Doesn't owe Uncle Sam or Sally Mae or uh, or none of the um, the the insurance company, uh, the the debt loan companies, none of them. They don't owe any of them. <laughs> I'm not sure if one of them is named Uncle Sam or not, but <laughs> but but uh, but uh, they don't owe any of them. But and so the information is um, I F C O. So IFCO. Um, IFCO News N E W S dot org. So you can go to IFCO News dot org. I F C O. Um, so it, I think I think it stands for Interreligious Foundation for a Community for Cuba Organization or something like that. But mm. if IFCO News I F C O also known as Pastors for Peace. Um, and, um, um, you know, um, so ifconews.org. And the number is 212-926-5757. One more time, 212-926-5757, ifconews.org. And you get a full scholarship to medical school, usually – the criteria you, you you they recommend that you be between twenty one eighteen sorry eighteen to twenty five but younger students are there and older students are there as well. Um, you go to Cuba, you become and you come back a doctor. You know the school is it's an old military base that the Cuban government took from the United States and made it a medical school when they. When they when they when they turned Cuba into a socialist country, they said we keep getting rid of all the prostitution buildings, we're getting rid of all the military bases, and we're turning them all, we're turning everything to, to 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 you know community-based programs. And one of one of these programs was turning this military base to a medical school, international medical school. And this literally, it was a marine base that was on the water. So this is a beat. This is a school that's on the water. On the water, on the beach, on the tip of Havana. If you go look at Cuba on the map, look at the tip of Havana, and that's the medical school. It's on the water, literally. Um, so, so, um, so, yeah. So that's 500 scholarships a year, and then some more. Um, the school is called the Latin American School of Medicine. You can Google it, and you see a lot of different way it made the news from ESPN to. So all these different ways they made the news, um, and another a documentary that you can look at um, that I helped film a little bit, <laughs> and I'm in as well. It's called Community Community Doctor Film dot com. Community Doctors Film dot com, and you if you go there, you can you will see a trailer. A trailer only maybe a minute long, and you have a a, a documentary on all of the U.S. students, the Africans in the United States. So they have a sister named Tia from born and raised in New Orleans that went to medical school. Tasha Jackson went to the NFL, ended up going to medical school in Cuba. Um, 
France, New York, and ended up going to medical school in in Cuba. Um, you know, Haria from Chicago, ended up going to medical school in Cuba. So, you know, so you know, you can learn more about these people and kind of hang out with these people in that mo- in that documentary to see what the, what that what how they feel about the medical school. What was their what was their you know, uh, Dante from Inglewood, California, ended up going to medical school in Cuba. You know, and um, he's in that documentary. He, he, you know, he's actually he's actually starts off walking in the neighborhood in Cuba. Uh, so um, uh, in the documentary, so so you know, so it's, it's a really good um, it's a really good documentary. You learn more about it, and, you know, and apply to the program and and uh, tell everybody about it. Tell all your nieces and that are in school about it, and and we we can get more doctors in the community. Sir, I want to thank you for being with us. Uh, when if, in the future, hopefully in the future, we can reach back out to you because uh, some of the listening audience and some uh, groups in several of these cities might be interested in trying to avail themselves of the, some of the vaccines that you're talking about, some of the protein-based vaccines. So we'll be in touch. Most definitely. Most definitely. Thank you. And and, and I'll look more into that uh intranasal uh interferon <laughs> that that's i haven't heard anything about that i need to do my research i don't i, I last time i heard it was um uh it's the interferon i'm not sure about the intranasal but the interferon okay that um, that i know about it the one that they use it for severe patients but it's a really good picture okay. thanks for being with and us i look sir. forward and to coming back i look forward to coming back and, and i thank you again for having me and tell your father that um me myself and brother richard said hello most definitely, and I tell you right now, he's gonna say black, black plow. <laughs> <laughs> talk to you soon. Thank okay, you. Thank you. All right, thank you, buddy. Hey, we gonna take a big break, and when we come back, we'll wind the program down. Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American-owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. 
before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Escape the digital plantation. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumi.tv.com, Abibitumi.store are here for you. You are ready to be free of non-African social media. Don't run from danger. Run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. Black Power. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. The only word you need to know to join your global commit to you black family, to join your interconnected commit to you black communities, escape the digital plantation now. Abibitumi.com, abibitumi.tv, abibitumitv.com, abibitumi.store. We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation. I am an African. The death of my brother is also my death. Let me put this question to you again, because many foolish black middle classes and many foolish people who are eating well think that they can sit in America and watch this country destroy the African continents and watch this country destroy African Caribbeans and watch this country destroy Africans in Central and South America and think that these same people who destroy Africans abroad will not be the same people who will destroy them in America. There are fools in this, this country who try to claim that they are not Africans, who claim that they do not see color, as if they're not seeing color makes any difference in the world. Simply because you don't see color doesn't mean somebody does not see you as color. And that's the issue. And you think then that you can sit in this country while this same nation and these same people that you sleep with and marry and love and so forth can go out and destroy African people and not think those people do not see you as African. Even though you choose not to see yourself as African, you'd better think again. You're out of your minds and you're headed for death. You must understand that. Hide behind it. I am an American. Ladies and gentlemen, the death and destruction of black people will follow those kind of abstractions.
probably the next five or ten years will indicate whether or not the black man can survive. Our struggle for survival is a very real struggle. And the white man has prepared genocide for black people. Unemployment, the black man is no longer necessary. Unemployment is going to be a, a way of life for black people. We are going to face increasing dangers and problems as the days pass. And we're totally unequipped as black people to deal with them. We're a part of a slave culture. We have no preparation. We have no black institutions capable of dealing with white racist institutions designed to serve only white people. We must deal with the problem that confronts black people by building black institutions, by understanding that only a separatist position is a viable position for black people. Any organization or any leader in America who today advocates integration is a foe and an enemy of black people and their survival in the coming years. In this crooked game of power politics here in America, the Negro, namely the race problem, integration, civil rights issues, are all nothing but tools used by the whites who call themselves liberals against another group of whites who call themselves conservatives, either to get into power or to retain power. Among whites here in America, the political teams are no longer divided into Democrats and Republicans. The whites who are now struggling for control of the American political throne are divided into liberal and conservative camps. The white liberals from both parties cross party lines to work together toward the same goal. And white conservatives from both parties do likewise. The white liberal differs from the white conservative only in one way. The liberal is more deceitful, more hypocritical than the conservative. Both want power, but the white liberal is the one who has perfected the art of posing as the Negro's friend and benefactor. And by winning the friendship and support of the Negro, the white liberal is able to use the Negro as a pawn or a weapon in this political football game that is constantly raging between the white liberals and the white conservatives. The American Negro is nothing but a political football. Listening to Time for an Awakening. Time for an Awakening with host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. I want to thank our guests this evening. Doctor of Internal Medicine at Morehouse School of Medicine, Doctor Abiku Dada is with us this evening. Richard, yes, yes. Uh, in closing, um, you know, listening to Doctor Dada, a young man, you could you can hear that. Uh, you know, you could see that uh, he's a, a young brother out here, a young doctor, uh, trying to make an impact in our communities. But the thing that really got me, Richard, and I keep going back to talk about the watchmen that we elect. Now, that school was 2003, he said it opened? 
2002, yeah. something like that. Been about 20 years. Right. So when he went, they were about 10 years into it. And also when he went, that was uh, during the Obama administration. Mm-hmm. And the memorandum of understanding from the CDC and Cuba was to recruit 500 uh, Americans of African descent to come to that school. And he said, Richard, it was 11 people. Mm-hmm. 11, Richard. That's beyond disgraceful. 11. Mm. You know, I just, I just wanted to make mention of that. I, You know, wow. But, yeah. you know, I mean, we could see that the... Go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, okay, no, go ahead. No, I'm just... Uh, I mean, we could... <clears throat> the impact that he's trying to make there uh, in the Atlanta area, from his experience, he said it was a culture shock seeing another form of government and how the people was operating. You know, that that, that conversation alone in the beginning was eye-opening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's something that, uh, I mean, we don't experience, and, and, you know, we're older than him. We didn't experience, we don't experience the behavior of people like that. Now, at one time, our people did operate like that here. Mm-hmm. Where you could, uh, you know, doors could be open. Uh, everybody knew one another. That Those are things that we did as a people, and not that very long ago. Right. But, right. Um, you know, a lot of things have happened since then, and this, this environment that we live in, these people that we live among is toxic to our people. We, we got to do something different. Hopefully Just, getting the information and recognizing that um, we're all a part of it is um, one thing um, because it's our relationship with each other. But, you know, um, the consistency of, of whether being able to, because if they don't um, send 500 students, then we should be able to send 500 students. Um, you know, Marcus Klein, uh, you know, I know they producing, um, Dr. Um, Abba Baruti, they're producing um, candidates that should be, you know, if they're not already a part of that pipeline. I know it. But, you know, we, 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 where, where others fail, we should um, pick up um, to succeed. So it's it's um, when the you know they they're giving us the tools, the door is open. Um, if you don't go in, what what is that fear or some invisible rope? Hmm. Um, that choice is on each one of us, uh, and that's yep. and how we relate to each other. You raised that point on Friday when you was uh, talking about the commemoration of the uh, the Durban uh, right. the Durban conference and how that total uh move that spawned a lot of uh, caribbean and african countries to make moves came from grassroots efforts here in the states mm-hmm. no political efforts no political leadership efforts those were just grassroots average people that band together and made a move so like you said richard you know it, it's going to be the same thing now i'm uh when i post this uh podcast, I'm going to post that information that uh, Dr. Dada left uh, 
ifconews.org and the, the contact number that'll be posted along with the uh, information uh, from the podcast. So people can, uh, they can hear it. They can share it with uh, their family, uh, their friends, young people in the neighborhood, get our people involved. Cause it, all this man got involved for uh, all this man got in store for our young people is standing around on corners. Uh, hope he hopes that they get involved in negative behavior so he can land them in prisons. Like that woman, uh, that governor that you said down in uh, what Mississippi, Alabama, Alabama, using those uh, COVID funds to build new prisons. She ain't building them to house her own children. And when I say her own children, her own people, she's building them to house people that look like me and you. Before we leave tonight, Richard, unless you had something else you wanted to uh, throw out. Before we leave tonight, uh, just give the lineup for Time for an Awakening Media, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., African Perspectives with Brother Oshi. Always interesting topics and dialogues on African Perspectives. That's 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Uh, later on, Monday evenings from 8 to 9, Black Therapy Central with host Dr. Maria Kambon and Dr. Kamal Kambon. That's 8 to 9, uh, 9 to 10, the first and third Mondays of every month and I think um, tomorrow is the first Monday and Cobra's mm-hmm. program that's conversation reparations that's uh, Monday first and third Mondays of every month from 9 to 10 Monday evenings on Tuesday uh, 8 p.m. 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Black Reality Think Tank with Dr. William Rogers on Wednesday uh, from 8 to 9 it's our time that's the Black Farmers Program the uh, West Georgia Cooperative and from 9 to 10 the new program from uh, Trinidad, Black Agenda Project. Interesting program that he's had the past couple of weeks, which I don't know whether you've caught it. But, uh, yeah, it'll be on uh, on Wednesdays from 9 to 10 uh, on Time for an Awakening Media. Um, on Fridays, Time for Awakening is back from 8 until. On Saturdays from 7, uh, from 7 to 9 p.m., the elders of Sankofa with the uh, or Brother Alfonso Watkins. And uh, on Sunday, Time for an Awakening is back from uh, 7 until I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. Lively discussion, as always, and we'll be back on Sunday, Lord willing, to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace. Peace.
Children. 